Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Leviticus 9 and verse number 6. Uh, starting, I want to read just a few verses of Scripture you're hearing today. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded that ye should do, and the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. Moses said unto Aaron, Go unto the altar and offer thy sin offering and thy burnt offering, and make an atonement for thyself and for the people, and offer the offering of the people. And make an atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Aaron therefore went unto the altar and slew the calf of the sin offering which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron brought the blood unto him and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the bottom of the altar. Amen. This morning for a little time here today I want to talk to you about this the bottom of the altar the bottom of the altar let's pray together I wish you would pray amen for me this morning God would help me father God I come to you today God I appreciate Lord your spirit I appreciate your presence God even with all of this reflection this morning I feel God your presence God, I feel it, Lord Jesus, in a unique and in a particular way today. I'm asking, oh God, anoint my mind. Bring all things to my mind's remembrance. God, anoint my lips today. Help me, God, to be bread, Lord Jesus, for these people and your word to be able to be dispersed. God, in an appropriate manner, God, that every individual under the sound of my voice will be able to reach forth their hand, God, to grab a morsel, God, for nourishment, God, of their spiritual men and women today. Oh, Lord, let heaven, God, just reach down upon this service. God, let your presence, God, be made known, Lord, even more so, God, before, God, this thing is said and done today. Open our mind, open our understanding, More importantly, God, open our hearts, God, that we would receive and we would accept the word of the Lord. God, let it sound clearly, Lord Jesus, in this place today, and we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated today in Jesus' name. The bottom of the altar. Uh, amazingly, and perhaps I shouldn't be amazed, but in reading an article this week, uh, I get, again, newsletters and things from different places and such, but in reading an article this week, I read uh, about uh, another denomination uh, pastor that was stating how the, mat- the modern platforms of today are just uh, really different than what the platforms of years gone by had been. Uh, He had made statement how the modern platforms of today are really somewhat designed without the forethought of an altar being uh, taken in consideration. Many times they are built at such a height with even not any recesses or niches or stairs on the front that it doesn't even allow for a person to kneel or prop 
uh, their elbows or even put their feet, if you will, if they would want to come to an altar of prayer. They are many times designed without any place for kneeling or any place for prayer consideration it's just totally different from years ago that whenever a place was manufactured or built or designed particularly the platform if there's one thing that they had in mind they had in mind that there was probably going to be someone that was going to kneel there there's probably going to be someone that maybe wanted to come to God needed a place to to pray, needed a place to cry, maybe even need a place just to bring their heavy baggage and their load and just to kind of cast it, as it were, upon an altar. But many of the modern uh, platforms or stages now that we call them, they went from a platform to a stage. Many of the stages that we have today are in some episodes just that, a stage, a place where entertainment and performance takes place on the top of them. And for the sake of people coming to pray is not necessarily that much thought of and you know and I was then that I remembered then several weeks back I was having a conversation with an apostolic preacher he was telling me of another Pentecostal preacher in his town Uh, he had had some people that uh, came to their church that had relatives that went to the other church and it told me and it just totally blew my mind that uh, he was telling his people cautioning them that they needed to be careful about speaking in tongues in the prayer room I'm not talking about uh, 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 I'm not talking about XYZ I'm talking about apostolic churches Pentecostal churches and you need to caution your people about uh, speaking in tongues in the prayer room didn't didn't want that type of activity to become offensive didn't want that type of activity to be a deterrent to guests you know people praying in the prayer rooms pre-adventure they would begin to speak in tongues now I understand completely folks that the apostle Paul spoke in New Testament scripture that we should pray in tongues and we should also pray with our understanding I understand that completely uh, and we can't get around that you just can't go around speaking in tongues everywhere every place all the time I I understand that but whenever the spirit is prompting amen you to pray in the spirit you need not grieve the Holy Ghost and grieve the Holy Spirit of God and refrain from doing that you need to engage in that and I'm here to tell you today at this church that it may bring a little bit of a question to some of the guests and some of the visitors about what they are hearing but hopefully it will pique their interest to want to find out what is that all about as long as I'm living although I'm living once it's not going to come across this pulpit listen here don't worry about speaking in tongues in the prayer room you need to refrain from that no I'm telling you here today we need to hear somebody praying in tongues in our prayer room praying in tongues in the sanctuary. We need to hear somebody speaking those words. Honey, this is not a stage. This is a platform. There are niches. There are steps where people can pray. Let me tell you, pre-adventure, it's kind of small up here. We've always said this is small up here. We got everything squeezed together up here. But if we ever create another platform here and build another one, we're not going to make it so high that people can't kneel, and we're not going to have it in such a way there's not a place where people are going to put their elbows, cry out to God, put their burden, put their sorrow, put their sin. Amen. But the day that we live in is somehow, I don't know how it come about to this, but we have an idea. There's an idea, amen, rippling through uh, the pages, if you will, of modern society that somehow less will achieve more. 
I began pondering this the other day, Bishop, and I thought to myself, who am I to believe that as the hour draws near, as the second coming of Christ draws near, who am I to believe as the world in which I live, as it waxes worse and worse, and there is even much more a gross darkness that is upon us and society, who am I to believe that living in a worse world and living to a closer return of Christ, that it's going to require less of me now, amen, in order for us to achieve more as a church or as a people, who am I to think it's going to require less and to in order to achieve more but I say we stand a little bit different because I understand my forefathers I understand my fathers and my grandfathers and the heritage of people that I have had in this thing that they lived in a less worse world it wasn't as bad then as it is now and the coming of Christ was still a little further in the distance back then than it is right now amen and yet they required a certain level them necessary in order to obtain what they had and I'm going to believe it's going to require less than what they did in order to achieve more of my generation I am fooling myself if the old saints of God said it required this and so, amen, whenever they were growing up, living in a world that was not as far from God as our world today is, living in a time that they were not as close to the coming of Christ as we are now, if they said it took that in order to have the power, in order to have the fervor, in order to have the anointing, I can't think for a moment that in a worse society and with a nearer Christ, it's gonna take something less, something diminutive, something weaker, something more more frail, working us. Some people say it doesn't take all that or it didn't take all that. I'm here to tell you if it took all of that then, then if anything, it will take that much more today. It'll take that much more now. Amen. Yes, it will. Acts 4, 31. The Bible says, and when they had prayed, everybody say prayed. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. That was good for that day. It's still good for this day. We still need an Acts chapter number four prayer meeting. And if the results of the early church after that prayer meeting was that the place was shaken, that all that were in the house were filled with God's spirit and that it emboldened their testimony and their message, we need that type of prayer meeting in our hour because our place, our world, our society needs shaken and there's people sitting on our pews that need the Holy Ghost. It's gonna take prayer. Someone say amen. I'm convinced by scripture then that our chances of those things happening increase. If not, are certain when we pray. There's many things that graciously 
occur without prayer. But there's some things that will only take place with prayer. There's some things we at times have got by without prayer. But there's some plateaus, some levels, some power, some anointing that will never be tapped into without prayer. You know, the old terminology used to be that if there was a child within the classroom in school that uh, if they seemed to do everything that the teacher wanted done and was very good and obedient and the halo somewhat above their head did things that were not even asked of them but they did it you know things just deeds that they done and it didn't require the teacher say anything it's just like intuitively they just knew and they did it all times that that student or that person was called the teacher's pet amen let me tell you sometimes what happens as people the house of the lord or in the church for that matter you just find an individual that grows a little consistent in prayer and somehow I don't know why this happens but the one that grows consistent in prayer they're the ones that gets the bad rap they're the ones that are deemed and called super spiritual they're the ones that deem well bless God they're, they're so heavenly minded they're no earthly good they get the bad rap they're the ones that's called a fanatic don't they know that there's more to life than that in essence, they are in the spiritual world, the teacher's pet. Uh-huh. Because they're wanting to do things for God that he didn't even ask of them to do. They're wanting to somehow bring things to the Lord that he didn't even require of them. Amen. And yet anything that he asks, it seems like they're doing. They're not ridiculing. They're not rebelling. They're not bumping against it. But they're just doing whatever they can do. And you know, in in the real world, it's just my estimation, those that ridicule in the school system, the teacher's pet, you know what it is? They don't want to do what that person is doing. But they want to receive the attention that that person is receiving. And so they criticize that person because they don't want to do, amen, what they are doing, but they want what they got. Honey, I believe there is a lot of parallel in the spiritual world. The reason why some condemn and even talk about those that have such a hunger and insatiable desire for prayer and call them fanatic, call them they're good for nothing, don't they know there's more to life? I think they're saying that sometimes because they want to be in the vein of where that person is, but they don't want to pay the price that that person paid. Amen. The altar in Leviticus 9, the altar in the Old Testament scripture, of the brazen altar of the tabernacle to the brazen altar of the temple. An altar is a high place. I told you a few weeks ago concerning the dimensions of the brazen altar of the temple, it being to a place in the temple, mind you, of 15 feet high. When we go backward to the brazen altar, of the tabernacle it was four and a half feet high that's still considerably high if you really consider it four and a half feet high didn't, didn't bring my measuring tape but that comes up to about my chest or somewhere around in here on me four and a half feet high and considering that the normal Jew by virtue of their race was considerably a shorter stature type people 
They probably wasn't more or less 6'2 like I am. So whenever you have a shorter, a, a, a tall altar for a shorter person, I'm trying to look for the shortest person out here. No. Yeah, it'd be like Sister Jessup coming up to that 4.5 foot altar to offer sacrifice. It's a little difficult if you're going to lay anything on top of something four and a half feet when you're struggling in the four foot area yourself. Mom? An altar's a high place. An altar's an elevated place. The word altar itself means lifted up. The word, the word altar itself means high. It means ascending. <laughs> the altar wasn't a lowly place, but it was a lifted up place. A high place. If I could say it like this, you didn't lose status when you went to the altar. You gained status whenever you went to the altar. It was decreed then by the word of the Lord in Exodus 20, 36. God told his people, he told Moses, he said, our altars is to have no steps so that the nakedness of the priests are not discovered. There weren't to be no steps leading up to the altar. Many believed that there was some type of ramp or some type of means outside of steps, amen, that allowed those priests to be able to ascend up unto the altar. And so the brazen altar, amen, would be no exception to the rule. Even that four and a half foot high altar surely some type of ramp some type of means no elevator of that day but there was something there outside of steps that allowed that short statured Jew amen high priest or priest to make his way up to that altar and do a sacrifice and so it's really we read now in Leviticus 9 and verse 22 we read that this is Aaron's first act of offering offerings upon the brazen altar and the Bible says and Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. In other words after Aaron offered the offerings and he did that right and he slayed if you will those animals and offered them before the Lord. The Bible terms it as this. The language is Aaron came down See, he had been at the top of the altar, but now he was coming down back to the people. He had did the sin offering, the burn offering, the peace offerings. So he had to go up to the top of the altar to get that accomplished. It was a lifted up place. It was a high place. But in order to come back down to the people, he had to do just that. He had to come down. And the Bible says that then they would take the blood. Everybody say the blood the blood of the sacrifices and pour them out at the bottom of the altar. Aaron's been to the top, but now he comes to the bottom and he pours out the blood at the bottom of the altar. Everybody say the bottom is where the blood is. It also said situated upon that brazen altar was the horns of the altar. The horns that were more than just pieces of ornamentation. They, were there, they, they weren't just there to make it look good. They weren't there just to embellish it. They were functional. Someone say they were functional. 
They were functional. Those horns that were upon the altar were, were functional. Scripture even tends to tell us that the horns of the altar would be the place where the sacrificial animal was tied. David even spelled it out in Psalms 118 and verse 27. He said, God is the Lord which hath shewed us light. He says, bind the sacrifice, bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. So whenever they were going to have sacrifice, they brought that living animal to the, to the altar and they would tie that animal with the rope that was through its mouth or around its neck. They would tie that animal to the horns of the altar. Many of those animals were not domesticated animals. Many of those animals were not tame animals. They were wild animals. And they would bring that old wild bucking, kicking, amen, sacrifice and tie it to the horns of the altar. And you can see it there kicking. You can see it there moving, maybe even bucking against the altar rebelling against what it was tied to yet if that animal stayed tied to the horns of the altar and kept fighting and kept bucking and kept kicking after a time it was going to wear the flesh of that old animal down to a place it would be at full surrender right at the altar I'm here to tell the church today we need to take this old carcass we need to take this old sacrifice a living sacrifice and we need to take ourselves and tie ourselves to the horn of the altar you need to bind yourself to your prayer praise bind yourself to your altar no, you got to hear me today because there's times that we say, well, we've done it for so long so I can get up and let's go on and go. Or I've prayed long enough right now. It's time to go. I challenge you on this Sunday morning that the next time you go to your altar and you think that it's been enough, you just stay there a little longer. Whenever you think you've said all there is to say, you go and stay there a little longer and your old flesh might buck against it. It might rebel against it. It might push and kick against it. But honey, if you keep that up, you'll be there at the altar until your flesh is absolutely surrendered to the power of your prayer room. Someone say amen. Stay tied there. If you're in Orm's 30 minutes, when 30 minutes is over, stay tied there. Let me tell you something. Whenever you do something like that, it proves how willing your flesh really is. It will. You'll see a little obstinate spirit come up that's saying it's good enough. Let's go. But if you, when you want to go, you rather stay bound. Bear. You know what starts to happen? Our wheel starts to get broken. Our wheel starts to get broken. It calls that animal to surrender. You know, there are some times that an animal could be brought to the horns of the altar and it would fight till it's death. But the only way it got to that place is by remaining tied. talking to you folks 
I'm talking to you folks. Sometimes it, it takes more than just going to the altar. Sometimes it takes binding yourself to the altar. The old person wouldn't think in their right mind. Bring that old wild goat, put it at the altar, say, here we go, and leave it and walk away. No, no, no. That goat might stay there for a little bit, but before long, it's going back to the recesses of the wild. Amen. That's a part of its nature. No, in order for it to stay, Brother Pat, they had to bind it. And there's sometimes we go to our altar with no strings attached, and we think we're going to stay there and get done what needs to be done. But our nature is not to be there. It's to go back, amen, to the recesses of our life. But if you go there and you get your rope and you tie your yourself there you might rebel you might kick but when it's all said and done you're going to be surrendered yes the bottom of the There are at least nine occurrences in Scripture where the phraseology is somewhere along the lines and they poured out the blood at the bottom of the altar. And they placed the blood at the bottom of the altar. A lot of times in Exodus and Leviticus, these high sacrificial chapters, you always are seeing the blood being placed, poured out, put, the majority of it, at the bottom of the altar. And since the altar is high, and since there's some means of ascent to the top of the altar, the bottom of the altar then is your place of beginning. The bottom of the altar is where you start from. The bottom of the altar is your place of origin. The progression, if you will, or the journey of the altar is this. It's starting at the bottom and finishing with your top, with your progression ending up there at the top of the altar. And blood, like water, has the tendency to follow the path downward to the lowest level. Not only is the blood or was the blood poured at the bottom of the altar, but by nature... Any blood that was dispersed at the top of the altar is on a path making its way down to the bottom of the altar, the lowest point of the altar. So if you start at the bottom of the altar and you rise to the top of the altar, and let me say this, everybody that approaches the altar starts at the bottom. All of humanity, nevertheless, our past, our luggage, our history, <laughs> our ancestry, all of us, it matters not. We all start at the bottom of the altar. But listen to this preacher this morning. In order for there to be much blood at the bottom of the altar, there must have been a lot of sacrifice at the top of the altar. Mm, someone say yes. So if you don't find yourself today at the top of the altar, 
I got an encouraging word for you that even at the bottom of the altar, even at the beginning, the place of the origin, there's some evidence of blood that's there. There's some evidence of a great sacrifice that's right there at the bottom. And the great amount of blood that's found at the bottom is due to a great sacrifice that took place on top. Someone say amen. The blood at the bottom was directly proportional to the sacrifice of the top. A little blood at the bottom may have indicated some turtle doves that have been sacrificed on top. A large amount of blood at the bottom would absolutely be different than that of turtle doves if it were a bullock that was sacrificed on top. I'm preaching to us. I'm preaching to Satan sinner like today. Hear me very well. Do not cheapen the value of the altar because to cheapen the value of the altar is to cheapen the value of Calvary. Amen. Because a call to prayer is a call, if you will, to our personal cross. Jesus on the cross, hanging on the cross, if you will, his personal altar. That, that cross, remember that altar being a high place, an ascended place, a lifted up place. Jesus even spoke before it ever happened in John 12, 32. He said, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And the blood from the crown of thorns ran down. And the blood from the stripes on the back ran down. And the blood that was pierced there at his side ran down. And the blood from the nail prints in his hands, it all ran down. So that at the bottom of the cross, the bottom of the altar, where was the blood? Where every individual starts, where every individual begins, but there's a lot of blood today because there was a big sacrifice on the top. That blood at the bottom shouldn't be a deterrent to us. That should tell us that much bloodshed happened there because there was a big sacrifice there. Let me tell you, the blood at the bottom of the altar isn't for the meek and the mild and the fly-by-night and the Johnny-come-latelys. It's for those that are interested in sacrifice. It's for those that's interested in an ultimate change. I got good news for the sinner today. I got good news for the ones that's without God today. If you want or per se you need hallelujah surplus of blood he meant to be at the base or the foot or the bottom of the altar slash cross today then you are in good luck today because there's been a substantial sacrifice at the top of the altar at the bottom the blood's poured out because that's where every person begins that's where the novice comes. That's where the beginner is at. They can all make their way to the bottom of the altar. There's a lot of blood there because there was a big sacrifice on the top of the altar. And so the drug addict can come to the bottom of the altar and he can leave with no more habits. And the alcoholic can come to the bottom of the altar where much blood is and walk away white as snow. Those with marital problems can come to the bottom of the altar because that's where the blood is. But don't forget, if the blood's there, the sacrifice is happened up there all different people with all different life situations can start their approach at the bottom where the blood 
blood is and there's enough sacrifice and as a result of enough sacrifice there's enough blood for that condition. Someone say amen. Revelation 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under, I say under, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. And for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? They're crying out. They say, God, our blood. Those voices came from under that heavenly altar. Scripture tells us that what happens in is here on the earthly is that which was reflected in the heavenly. In that heavenly altar, there were voices that cried from underneath that heavenly altar because undoubtedly, without doubt, Sister McGee, that is where the blood was poured. And it's not uncommon, folks, for a person's blood in Scripture to cry out to God. All the way back in the book of beginnings, whenever Abel was slain by his brother Cain. God even told Cain, he said, Cain, the voice of thy brother's blood cried unto me from the ground. The voices of these people, the blood, if you will, of these people under the altar, at the bottom of the altar, are people right here according to Scripture who had sacrificed for God. People that had hazarded their lives for God and the word of God. And their cry comes from the bottom of the altar and not the top. Their blood was, if you will, at the bottom of the altar because they had sacrificed their life on the top of the altar. These were martyrs. These were people who were killed for the cause of Christ. And in the day and the coming of the Lord of the completion of all things, their blood is going to cry out at the bottom of the altar. And though they literally gave their lives through and by martyrdom, being killed for the cause of Christ, we though, as Paul, could and likewise should die daily. Because listen well this morning. I've talked about the grand sacrifice that Christ did on Calvary that provided blood at the bottom of the altar. And it is true, and I don't want us to miskew or misinterpret this, that our sacrifice of prayer may not literally, literally and directly save anyone, but it could be a tool in helping someone get saved. Some would say, man, our prayer may not by virtue directly heal anybody, but it could be a tool by which somebody could receive healing. It's 
So I'm asking in the modern day hour and generation, let there be still abundant supply of blood at the altar by virtue of your prayer, my prayer for the lost, the sick, the diseased, the unsaved, whatever the condition may be. They might not be directly impacted by it, but they could indirectly be impacted by the prayer of a man or a woman of God that says, God, they are in need of help. There could still be a shakening in our world. There could still be a time when there's people sitting in the house that have not the spirit of God but because people have been diligent about their prayer to God they leave with the Holy Ghost and not without it because when prayer was made they were all filled with the Holy Ghost we can embolden our message of truth by our prayer Revelations I'm moving today Revelations You all need to pray for my voice. It's been weak lately. I don't know if it's because Wednesdays I've been preaching all this month rather than teaching. But I used to preach every bit of six times a week. And each night it would get bad and be better the next day. So I might just start getting the old evangelist rasp again. That's the way it was. You used to get the old evangelist rasp. You got up there and felt like you'd been gargling nails and screws. Revelations 11, 1, and there was given me a reed like unto a rod and the angel stood saying rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein it amazes me bishop that they measured the host structure they measured the temple the heavenly temple they were charged to do so with that rod that was given to them they, they were sent to measure the worshipers those that worship therein but of all of the furniture that they could have measured in the temple this was apparent to me the other day I preached on this a long time ago old tri-state camp measure up I'm talking about years ago, folks. Long time ago. That could have been maybe 20 years ago. Of all the things they could have measured a labor, a lampstand, of all the things they could measure, the decree was given rise and measure the temple of God, the worshipers therein. Specifically, out of all the furniture, measure the altar. Oh, the significance. And I'll say it like this. The significance of a functional altar. Because you know, if you want to, you could get today and probably get on the internet and you could buy you an altar. <coughs> Even for the modern day church, buy an altar. That there'll never be a prayer prayed at. But it's basically for decor. Thank God for a functional altar. Oh God, I could open up a can of worms on that one. <clears throat> just, just there for decor, there to look good. People come in and say, "Oh, see, you got an altar." Yeah, I got an altar. Don't ask any further questions beyond that. But I got. An That's like having the family Bible on the coffee table. Thank God for the significance of functional altars in the lives of God. You know what functional altars will do? They'll do as they did in the life of Jesus Christ. I read scripture, Bishop. 
The life of Jesus Christ that sometimes stole away early in the morning before the disciples were up to pray over on yonder mountain. Or late into the night. All kinds of times Jesus prayed, you see in Scripture. But you see unequivocally that he prayed. <coughs> setting the example, setting the example. Prayer. He was a prayer person. He had a functional altar <coughs> in his life. You know what I see in Scripture, Bishop? I see times, this is not to, you know, hocus pocus, ooh, anybody. But I see times in Scripture that there were those who were demon-possessed that had unclean spirits. Listen to me. And whenever Jesus was around, that these people did not flee from him. They draw near to him. Not because the spirits liked him, but because the person that was possessed knew that that was the only place of deliverance. That doesn't happen by a traditional altar. That doesn't happen by an altar that's just for show or just for decorum or just for, if you will, embellishment. That happens where there's a functional altar. We've seen it in times past. Unclean spirits enter this place. And I'm not praying for every devil to come here, but I'm praying, God, if they want delivered, let them come here at the Mount Carmel First Apostolic Church because a functional altar, they'll understand, hey, that's a place of deliverance. Let, let them all come with all their baggage, all their hang-ups. Why? Because they'll identify there's a functional altar there. It was a testament of the functional altar in the life of the man, Jesus Christ, because even the unclean would come there because the people that were possessed by them said, this is, we can't get this just in any synagogue. We got to get this where there's a functional altar where there's some blood at the base. Because what does Revelation also tell us? That we're overcomers. By what? By the word of our testimony and by the blood. That's at the bottom of a function. You don't see blood at the bottom of a traditional, embellished, decorated altar. Blood lies at the bottom of functional I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm closing with this, and you can stand with me. The bottom of the altar. Blood's there because of a great sacrifice on top. Still should be sacrificing on top because there's still some people making their beginning, their start, and they need some blood at the bottom. They need some prayers. They need some encouragement. Acts 12. The Bible tells us Peter is incarcerated. They found him in prison. The oracle of God, he was an oracle of God. The oracle of God has seemingly been silenced right now at this moment. All these different things have happened. Imminent death is right there. Imminent death right there in his near future is death. But a ragtag group of people, the Bible says, the prayers were made. And calling upon God. And by virtue of prayer, by virtue of a functional altar, by virtue of a sacrifice of prayer, that bound man was set at liberty. That seemingly silenced oracle of God was now it was said as though a trumpet was to his mouth. Where there was nothing but death that was 
just on the horizon in his future. Now there was restoration, a full life. It all happened because of some concerted prayer at an old family altar. If you can bow your heads, close your eyes today. Again, I emphasize this morning to us as an assembly and us individually, don't undervalue the altar because the cross of Calvary was one of them. The cross of Calvary was an altar. And it was that cross and the actions that took place there and the sacrifice that happened there that put the blood at the bottom of the altar, at the bottom of the cross for you and at the bottom of the cross for me. So when I approach it or as I approach it and I start right there at the bottom that there's enough blood there to cover my sin. There's enough blood there to heal my dilemma, every dilemma in my life. I want those that are... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.